And it hit me that my parents never mourned my brother on Christmas that we were aware of. Mm. In fact, my mother probably celebrated even more. And so Christmas was always a huge day. And people said to me, it must be a really hard time of the year for you. And I'm like, it isn't. And it never was for my mother. Don't misunderstand that she didn't remember because she did, but it was never displayed as this is such a sad time Brent was killed and never, ever. And I, I really credit my parents for that. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today is the mom of six children and has 17 grandchildren, and they all are the center of her world. She taught dance and owned studios for 44 years and has given years of service to her church in various leadership capacities. She has lived in Utah, California, and just this past summer moved to Arizona. She began writing at age 12 and published her first book in 2014. She has now published seven books with eight and nine coming soon. I am pleased to present Debbie Eiler Rasmussen. Debbie, are you ready to share your holiday story of hope? I am, Tamara. Hi. Hi. And I'm so excited to have Debbie back on the show. She came on a couple of years ago, and I'll be sure to link that episode in the show notes. So if you want to hear Debbie's entire story, you can go back to that. But today we're just going to kind of focus on Christmas a little bit. And so I thought I'd break the ice today with Debbie. Why don't you share with me a holiday tradition that you have in your family? Okay, so this was my favorite tradition. I don't know if my six kids will go along with that. At this point. <laughs> when I first got married, I started a tradition of buying an ornament every year for my ex-husband and I, for you know, for our family. So as the kids got older, I would buy one for all of them and put them in a little box so they would have a set of ornaments when they got married. That was my goal. However, as that increased over the years, we had this little ceremony where I would get the ornament out and tell the story of the ornament. <laughs> so... <laughs> You have to realize that by the time we'd been married like 20 years, the kids are like, seriously? <laughs> we went through this tradition and we did it every year and we always had hot chocolate. And it was just, it was a tradition when we decorated the tree that we did that. And it's so funny to hear the kids now. They're just like, yeah, mom used to make us sit down and pull out the ornaments. And by the time you're 10, you've got the entire thing memorized from the time she married dad. And it's just, <laughs> it was just, but it was fun. And it's one of the things they all remember good or bad i don't know but they <laughs> oh that's so cute i love that and i know that's one of the things our family does is we collect ornaments when we go travel different places you know and so i have a grand canyon ornament and i have you know this that and the other ornaments so it's kind of fun to be able to collect ornaments and share those but i don't think i've ever thought of the idea of buying them for the children as well so i really like that Thought. Well, the other thing too is at the end of it, I always read it that. Remember that story, the littlest angel. Mm-hmm. We always read that story with the book, and I had six little angels. I put their own angel on the tree, and so that it just kind of I don't know. I think I get the warm fuzzies when I think about it. But I don't know. <laughs> so it's really fun, and I still have the ornaments. I still, in fact, I'm going to make a little showcase of them, so I don't put them on a tree anymore. I'm just going to make a little 
of 25 years of ornaments that we were all together. So, oh, that's so sweet. So we're going to kind of go back in time here a little bit, and I'm going to let you introduce this Christmas where life was a little bit different and, and then let you share why that was so meaningful to you. Okay. Okay. So when I was five years old, um, I remember this like it was yesterday. This is what's so interesting is I haven't forgotten any of it. I was sitting in the, on the kitchen floor. This is the morning after Christmas. And my sister and I were playing with our new dolls on the floor in the kitchen and my mom was washing dishes. And what I remember distinctly is my mother all of a sudden turning around, grabbed our coats and put our coats on us. And literally it felt like she was dragging us out of the house. My dad and my brother had gone to Price. They were gone about 30 minutes away. My older brother, then my oldest brother had gone hunting. And I knew that with um, two of his, with his friend and the friend's dad or uncle. Anyway, so the next thing I know, we're in, it's called Peacocks. It's a store in, in I was living in Orangeville, Utah. So it was a, um, kind of like the little house in the prairie store is how I remember it. And in the middle of the store was a big circle. And in it was, you know, those net Christmas stockings you used to be able to buy that had candy and toys in? Yes. And what yes. I remember is my mom wasn't near Denise and I right then, but Denise and I were looking in the, and I remember thinking, why are we looking at Christmas stockings when all of our toys are at home? I remember thinking that. And all of a sudden, and I remember Mr. Peacock standing there, or I think it was him as a man behind me. All of a sudden, the door came up, it was snowing outside really bad. And our bishop poked his head in and said, Fawn, we can't find Brent. And that's all he said. Is that your brother? My brother, yeah. Mm. And my mom grabbed Denise and I again, dragged us out the car. I remember literally, I felt like she threw us in the back seat. And I remember we fishtailed all the way to my Aunt Norma's, where she opened the door and shoved us in the door and left. And that's the last thing I can remember of that of my mother at that point. But later that night, you know, it was back in the day of party lines because I'm really old. And I was sit, sitting on my grandma, my great grandma Stiltson's lap. And my sister was asleep on the couch. And I believe my brother Greg was there by then too. But I don't remember. I just remember if he was, he wasn't in that specific room. And um, I remember my aunt on the phone and she just burst into tears and she said, so they're all dead. And something in my five-year-old little brain knew that my brother was dead. I don't know why, but my great-grandma was rocking me. And side note, I have that chair that mm. she was rocking me in. That was saved for me. So anyway, um, what I remember after that is something very interesting as a five-year-old is that all of the Christmas trees were down and all the Christmas lights in the entire town were taken down. It was a very small town. There were no more Christmas trees and no more Christmas lights on anybody's houses at all. And what had happened was these two boys, they were both 12, and they had gone hunting. And just they got brand new 22s for Christmas. And so my mother had given permission for Brent to go with his friend Earl. And they went up to the mountain and up there, Earl's uncle owned a coal mine. And um, just not too far up from Orangeville up the canyon. And they were up there hunting and, and Earl's dad was up there too and it started to snow and I guess it started to blizzard and so he said to the boys do you want I'm gonna go down and get some lunch do you guys want to come with me or do you want to go in the mine well Earl's uncle was blasting that day there were two mines and they're the old mines if you picture back again little house in the prairie type they're old mines with no cement they're just you know holes and he was blasting from one to the other so that he could they wouldn't have to take their donkeys out with the coal 
into the snow. They could go because they both had a mine. And I guess he said they'll be fine, just set them to the back of the mine. So I guess they put hard hats on and set them to the back of the mine. It wasn't particularly anything unusual for kids to do that in, the, in that day. But anyway, what had happened is he blasted and it when they when they got the call, when somebody heard the blast, and I'm sure the Earl's dad went back up there and they the entire town from what my mom told me dug all night long with picks and shovels trying to get into that mine to get the boys because they had put their guns on the outside of the mine, just stood them there. And um, anyway, they, Mr. Um, Robertson was the dad, his name and he was crushed um, inside the mine. I guess it crushed on him, but the gases and everything went to the back of the mine and they found the boys at the very back of the mine. And, um, these are just bits and pieces. What I remember my parents tell me, but my brother was facing away and, and Earl was facing. So my brother was the only one that had an open casket funeral because they were all burned so bad. And, but Brent, I remember him being orange when I saw him, but um, what I remember my dad telling is that when he picked Brent up and carried him down the hill and all he said was to my mom was his face is dirty. That was it. So they had a joint funeral for the boys and then they had a funeral for Earl's dad. And um, I remember the funeral. I remember being in the cemetery I, because they buried him on one grave here and one up here. So they were, they have a family plot above ours. And uh, it was just very sad. Mm -hmm. And I remember my parents being so sad. And I, at that time they did viewings in the home. So the casket was in our living room. And I remember the, the um, funeral director saying, does anybody want to say one last goodbye? And like, you know, I'm, I'm five. I'm like, I will. And I remember <laughs> jumped on the side of the casket and I stood up and put my hand on him. And I remember him being cold and mm -hmm. it startled me. But you know, you're five, you don't quite get what's going on. So anyway, the significance, my parents, it was really hard on, on my parents, on my brother too. It wasn't as hard on me. I don't remember that much about it afterwards because I know Brent was gone. And so the significance of that whole thing, but this last year I've noticed people, I've not really paid attention, but I'm going to, this is what I do on this day because my mom died, or this is what I do on this day every year because and it's always something, it's never a celebration. It's always something sad. And it hit me that my parents never mourned my brother on Christmas that we were aware of. In fact, my mother probably celebrated even more. And so Christmas was always a huge day. And people say to me, it must be a really hard time of the year for you. And I'm like, it isn't. And it never was for my mother. Don't misunderstand that she didn't remember because she did. But it was never displayed as this is such a sad time. Brent was killed and never, ever. And I, I really credit my parents for that because it could have been a completely different thing. And then... Fast forward years later, when my dad was 57, he died on Christmas morning. Oh, my God. And so, again, we could have taken that day. And But, you know, every Christmas morning, I think of my dad. I remember that I found out at 9 o'clock that he died. But it's never a sadness. And I really attribute that to my mom and dad because we never turned Christmas into a morning for my brother. Mm -hmm. And and Brent wouldn't have wanted us to, I'm sure. It's a, You always remember. Every, September, every December 26th, I remember that experience, but I've never, I've never sat down and just mourned it ever. And even the next Christmas after my dad died, I remember thinking back that I was really sad, but I didn't want that to be a sad day for my kids because the year that happened, it was sad. 
And my mm. kids were, my my youngest son was two. So my daughter was 12. And so it could have been really sad, but it wasn't. And so that's, I think that's what my whole idea of sharing about Christmas is that that incident did not ruin the celebration of Christmas for my family. And mm. I do, I know it does other people because I even had a friend not too long ago say, I hate Christmas. That's when my brother died. I think it was her brother. And I, I can't imagine, it's hard to lose a parent, but I can't imagine losing a child like that and still going on. And, but my parents knew they had other kids. And I think, I think my whole thing of sharing that is that we shouldn't, we don't need to take a day and mourn every year and be, berate these holidays that come because something sad happened on that day. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, it, it, it really is a testament also, not only to your mother's ability to do that, but um, probably a testament to her faith that the whole re one of the whole reasons we celebrate Christmas is right. because Jesus Christ came to earth and he helped us overcome both sorrow and sadness and loss and death. And it's amazing. I'm sure she, I, I, I almost wish we could bring her into this conversation and just say, how did you do that? <laughs> you I know, know what right? I mean? <laughs> because that would have been really hard. And and ultimately, it probably just boiled down to her saying, I love Christmas enough and I want to pass the joy down and not the sorrow. Let's celebrate. The reason we're celebrating this is because of Jesus Christ and not focus on the sorrow. We can be sad. And I don't think it's that you should never, ever be sad, but no. that, but that you have a choice. You can focus on the joy or you can focus on the sorrow. And there will be moments when you focus and you feel the sorrow and grief, but then you can also pivot and remember the joy that because Jesus Christ was born, we too will see him again. We'll have re perfect resurrected bodies someday. And that is something to rejoice in that we'll be together again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's true because there are there are times when I think of Brent and I think of the saddest of my parents that day and it makes me really sad. But I have other friends who have lost people on Christmas and it's completely different. Mm. And I kind of think that sometimes people are surprised that that's not a sad day for me, but it's not. Even losing my dad that day, it's, yeah, the memory's there, but it does, it didn't dampen the holiday. And, and I think you're right. It, I admire my parents' spirit in going on like that because that's been on my mind mm. literally for months about different people that mourn the day that person passed. And I don't know, we all, we don't need to do that. Mm. I don't know. That's just me. Well, and you know what? I've also attended funerals where it's super sad and I've attended funerals where it is more of a celebration of their life. And so I think you probably feel differently at different times, but Again, there's a choice involved in that. Now, you have a favorite Bible verse about Jesus Christ that you wanted to share today. Would you mind sharing that with us? Well, of course, it's, my, it's been my favorite Bible verse forever. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it's trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lead not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And whenever I get discouraged, anything, that first comes to my mind. So it's my very favorite. And it's very appropriate with what you've just shared too, you know, <laughs> that that when these th hard things happen or we have a death or something like that, that happens around 
Christmas or around Thanksgiving or the holidays where we're trying to focus on gratitude or trying to focus on Christ, it's a good reminder that God is going to direct our paths and he's going to direct the paths of those we love and um, that we can lean on him and trust that this path, whatever our path looks like, whatever it is, even though it might not be very fun, is, is a path that God can be with us on that journey. And I love that, that invitation to um, be with him on those holidays, invite him into your grief and your sorrow and invite him to heal you because that's really why Christ came to the earth was so that he, so that we wouldn't have to go through these hard things alone and that we can find joy even in the morning. You well, know? I think it's hard sometimes to turn that over to God. You know oh, that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard sometimes. But if you just, I just try to remember those special trust in the Lord and he shall direct my paths. That's what always, of course, the whole two verses, but those two sentences. And, and it's hard sometimes I have to go, okay. You know, so, and I'm sure that's what my parents did. But I just yeah. know that. As children, we don't have that sadness. And so I'm grateful for that. I am so grateful for my parents to not have turned Christmas season into a morning season. Mm. Great example. Great example. One other quick thought before we wrap this episode up is I've been thinking a little bit, if you are perhaps one of the people out there who feels like you have to celebrate an anniversary in grief and sorrow, that that is where you are right now. But I want you to also bring in what Debbie has taught us today and realize there is a choice with that. And if you want to choose to bring more joy into that anniversary, that you can with God's help. And often when I have to make a change like that, where I'm changing from a negative emotion I'm feeling inside my heart to more of a positive one, especially if it's like something like forgiveness or something like that, that I have to ask God to really help me with that. And it begins with the desire, the, the desire to have that change happen, even though you might not feel it in your heart right now. So if you're grieving someone and an anniversary is coming up of a death or a divorce or something like that, and you want even just a small amount, a desire that you want to change that from a negative to a positive, involve God in that process because he can help you plant that seed of change and move it towards something that you can feel more peace about now debbie before we go you have some books that would make awesome christmas presents would you mind sharing really quickly about those and where we can find them and where we can find you i'm happy to share that so my website is author debbieilerrasmussen.com and Eiler is i-h-l-e-r the books I've written, the trilogy has it's Mystic Trilogy. It's um there's three books, Mystic Angel, Mystic Lake, and Mystic Mansion. And this is a story really quickly just about a young couple, young teenage kids, their family moves from San Clemente to Tennessee, and she sees spirits, and it's just a it's a mystery. It's a paranormal mystery, and it's a fun adventure. It really is. I had fun writing and I get so many people buy those books a lot. There's two backstories right now that go with those. So that's a set of five at this point. My next series I started last year is called um, Nessomar Family Legend of the Crow. And that's Rasmussen spelled backwards. <laughs> and what I did is I wrote a story for each of my grandkids in 2014 for Christmas. 
I didn't know what to give him. And I, I um, let him each choose a superhero and wrote him each a little story. And it was just fun. And I read him to different people. And they're like, you should make it, you should make that into a book. So I redid the whole thing and expanded on it. And that was the first one, Legend of the Crow. And then the second one that was just um, being released. Well, it's been released, but it's called Imminence. It hasn't actually been published, but it's been released. And that is the next story. So there'll be eight in that series. And what's fun about that one is I have adults loving it, but down to like 10, 11-year-old kids, they really like it. So I started a little club called the Superhero Crow Club. And I oh, send a little fun. gift each month that kind of gives me hints. And, and it's going to kind of change in January. I'm going to add they'll get hints about the next story coming up and different superheroes because these kids are seven. I have 17 grandkids. So each of them are there and they all work at the CIA and the FBI. And because they're so good at their skills, now they have handlers and they get to go out by themselves. They don't have to have FBI agents with them. It's been really, really fun. Oh my goodness. That sounds awesome. (laughs) So if you have somebody on your uh, Christmas list that would enjoy those kind of books, reach out uh, to Debbie are those books available only on your website or are they also no. on Amazon? I was going to say they're on Amazon. They're on, um, you can get them in barnesandnoble.com. Some of the stores carry them, but most of it's .com and walmart.com. Any place that I found out that there's a .com, those books are there because Ingram, um, where we publish, gets them everywhere. Mm. So yeah, you can get them right on Amazon. And if you Google Debbie Ida Rasmussen, it brings them all up. Or sometimes if you, if you Google Mystic Trilogy, you'll bring something else up. There's a couple of them out there, but... Mine is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're biased or anything, so, you know. <laughs> I mean, I know the author, okay? <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and for sharing this holiday story of hope and reminding us that we can celebrate Christmas for the reason of Christmas, remembering Christ at any time. And it can bring us joy even amidst sadness. Thank you, Tamara. Thanks for having me. Hey, my friends, are you looking for a meaningful Christmas gift this year? If so, you need look no further. I have a fantastic, sweet, short story. I am so excited to share with you my new booklet. It's called A Broken Down Holiday. This is the story of a widowed young mother trying to travel home for the holidays soon after her husband dies. And being stranded in the middle of nowhere, and some of the hard things that she experiences and some of the miracles that you wouldn't think were miracles that she had happen, but it is based on a true story that happened to my mother-in-law. It's great for those friends that you're just like, what do I get them? Something simple that's under five bucks. It's a great stocking stuffer. So if you want to share this message of hope with your friends or family members, Check it out, A Broken Down Holiday on TamaraKAnderson.com. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote 
or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.